We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. 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 That's okay. Podcast. That's okay. Cast. Podcast. It's a cat. Like you're casting Pod. a fishing rod. That's okay. Pod. It's a pod. We've done a hundred. I'll, I'll take it over from here. Episode one twenty one of the pod, and I think one hundred and twenty one times. That is the first time you've messed up the open. I think so. Yeah, Matt. Well, and it's we, just we, a lack of it's a lack of mental bandwidth at the moment. So you might have to fill in the blanks here uh, I, over the next hour. I'm quite used to that. Oh, okay, thank you. But uh, nonetheless, Joe Musso joined by Matt Rooney here to uh, break down a week's worth of NFL action, give you some locks for the week. We're going to dive into the mailbag. we got a couple good ones and then uh, give you a little buy or sell action. But Matt, as always, most importantly, how are you? Uh, you doing fine. We're getting along here. The Bears are 2-0. and My Irish are 2-0. and So... Or excuse me, the Bears are 1-1. We got to win, so that's why I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. My, I, that, that should tell you how my brain's doing this morning, but we're, we're doing all right. How about yourself? How's things so over down, on, the, uh, on, down, on the best coast? We're down two brains right now, but uh, things are good, actually. You act like um, that's not normal for us. The things, are, things are nice out on the, on the west coast right now, but... Uh, we had our first day of rain since May 27th. Oh my god! Two, two days ago, oh and my god. it rained again. It rained again today. So kind that's, of an ap- apocalyptic situation going on in California your, right that, now. That's your fire fest right there. Yeah, but uh, can you believe that? Not not a drop of rain. That's from, uh, that May is 27th. that is pretty wild. It must it must be nice, Joe. We've uh, had several yeah, but, you know, since then. I enjoy a nice gloomy fall day every once in a while. So, it is uh, true. You know, you know what. Playing football for as long as I did, and you probably might feel the same way, taught me to really appreciate a, a cloudy, overcast-type day with a threat of rain in the afternoon. Really did. Oh, Maybe yeah. appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, need a, we need a sunny Saturday. Uh, Danielle's getting married, my sister, this weekend. I'll be Ooh. back in Chicago for that. So it'll be, be a great time. But uh, the forecast is showing chances of, of scattered showers in the Chicagoland area. Uh, we need to do away with that. That's well, most important, right? I'll, now. I'll pull some strings, but I still yeah, think you, you guys might be able to have a, a good day if it if it rains just a little bit. You send uh, you send your prayers up to the big man that uh, we get a dry Saturday. But I'll make, make a few phone dig- calls. See what we I can digress. Do. Norm controls the we weather. Digress, so Matthew. He does. We'll get him. Uh, are we opening this up on an Illinois Wesleyan note? The Titans dropping their opener. That was uh, making t- not making, top ten. Made Sports Center. Uh, that was tough. Man. <laughs> Shout out to, uh, you know, Brian isn't much of a listener of the podcast anymore. Rob listens every week, though. They they had their co-record uh, broken this weekend. They both shared the record for most interceptions thrown in a football in a, in a Wesleyan game from quarterback. Uh, and it's a bummer. It, it was broken fairly easily. Uh, they, they held the record at four. Brandon Bauer tossed six picks on the road against a ranked team on Saturday, and they still took it to overtime. So I guess that's something to build on. And we're going to need to sit you down next week, Mr. Bauer. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't think Norm's going to pull that trigger. Give him, give him, a, give him a nice long leash. But uh, we're going to open things up with some uh, that was talking some Bears Titans. talk. That was talking Titans. We're going to open up some uh, some Bears talk here. The Bears, as you said, get to 1-1 one one on the season. Go on the road, taking one in Denver. And just an absolutely wild finish, Matt. Um, I think the long and short of it is... We have a kicker who was put in a situation. He executed fantastically from 53 yards out. While Mitch, again, was underwhelming throughout the game, he did drive the team down the field, took advantage of a shoddy call, uh, drove one up the middle of the field, and set the team up for a win. So uh, a lot of positives to be taken away out of Denver. I also really liked the um, – I, I didn't necessarily love the play calling as a whole, but um, when you look at the output numbers on the road in mile high – you only had Mitch throw the ball 27 times. I think that's right around where you want him, 27 to like 35 in that neighborhood. Um, and you finished with 153 yards on the ground. So running the ball effectively, uh, Mitch didn't turn the ball over, and you sneak out of there with the uh, with the win in, in regulation. Yeah, I'm not as down on Mitch as a lot of people are after that performance. I'm not by any means saying he was good. Uh, obviously, that's the, the hot topic when everybody wants to talk about and how the defense carried him to another win, which they did. But if you watch that game, which I'm sure you watched every snap, it was just a weird game plan from the start. 
I don't know if it was more, you know, Matt Nagy thinking, hey, we want to wear down their defense because they're playing in the heat and altitude too. We want to control the ball, all that stuff, try and stay on the field. Or if it was Matt Nagy kind of listening to the critics and saying we never run the ball and we want to just establish that. But they didn't, mm-hmm. not not only, I mean, Mitch threw 27 times. I think you can count on one hand the amount of times Mitch challenged downfield and actually took a shot downfield. And I, th- that's what's kind of weird for me is that even when Mitch was playing bad last year in certain games, I mean, they were never afraid to take chances. And I don't know where that regression has come, whether that's the trust in Mitch has is, you know, regressed on Matt Nagy's part, or if this was just a concerted effort to really try and just control the ball, not turn it over and wear down the defense. But M- Mitch wasn't good. The numbers weren't flashy, but I got to be honest with you. I don't know if it was his calls or Nagy's, but he was never really given the chance to try and throw the ball downfield. He threw it downfield. Well, that's, like three that's times. what I was going to say. You just kind of alluded to it there. Um, the only way we know if a play design was the play design is if he hits his first progression. Like yeah. there might have been some deep balls called throughout that game that Mitch was hesitant to throw. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not ready to say, you know, Nagy isn't opening up the playbook. And if you remember last year, it did take a few weeks for him to let off that leash on Mitch. And his week one and week two numbers. That, confidence. His week one, week two numbers, by the way, this year and last year compared, if you put them side by side, look incredibly similar. I didn't want to I'd keep going. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you brought that up. No, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, we might see a little bit of that, that nuance, that downfield passing, a little bit more of an open playbook a couple weeks from now because week one this year where – he did take a couple shots. It didn't inspire much confidence. So I wasn't surprised to see them maybe go with a little bit more of a conservative approach this week. And this was Mitch trying not to lose a game, not trying to win a game in many instances. Which I was kind of okay with. Now, obviously, down the road, I'd like to see them open up the playbook. I'd like to see Mitch take shots, kind of get him out in space, give him chances to be athletic. Because as we saw on that last drive, when he gets a chance to move around a little bit and kind of move his feet and, and, and throw on the run, he's pretty good on that strike down Robinson. Granted, uh, Robinson was open. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. This is what we said when we were half a brain. Yep. I completely lost good, my train of thought. Point. I mean, that was, you, you got halfway there. Yeah, I did. I got halfway there, and then I just, well, I lost it. It'll come back to me at some point. Um, but you also brought up Eddie Pinheiro, who I thought, I, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on, you know, he is the savior, he's the next best kicker, he's Eddie Dinero, all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. It, it took some serious stones to step up there and pump knock the brakes. It's not like there's a depth. It's he's not like there's a depth chart behind him. We have to. Yeah, he's made, he's made four kicks. That are, One was a yeah. 38-yarder on a very mild night at Soldier Field. The other three were in altitude in Denver, and I'm not taking anything away from him for those kicks. Those and were one big of them time had kicks. He won them the football. On the clock from 53 yards away, he Why won them the football. Inspired by that, because I'm just saying it's 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 still early. He's kicking in Denver where there's altitude. Let's let this situation breathe. Let's let this be a full season. Let's not crown him the next kicker because we just want. I want him to be the next kicker. All I'm saying is let's not start calling him. You know, Robbie Gold. He's awesome. He's the best now because he made a couple of kicks. Cody Parkey went three for three against Minnesota last year and won NFC Special Teams Player of the Week too. I'm just saying let's let's let some let's let's give some time for the situation to breathe a little bit. That's all I want to say. There's, see, but there's no the the. Trust and belief you have in your kicker is nothing like the trust and belief you have in any of the other players. Those players have to make plays throughout the course of a game that kind of stack on each other and they lead to different moments in a game. Tackles, Mm -hmm. interceptions, uh, touchdown passes, receptions. Kickers do one thing. Two things. They kick the ball off, try to keep it in bounds, and they kick field goals. And those things are drive enders regardless. Mm-hmm. Those things are the the outcome of that play is predetermined. The other team's going to get the ball one way or the other. So I, I guess my point is Eddie Pinero's not going to ever affect the flow of the game in game. Correct. He is going to add points to the scoreboard. That's all he can do. And if he's adding points to the scoreboard, whether that be in Chicago, in Denver, on the face of the moon, he's doing his one and only job. 
I don't think there's I don't think there's anything else we need to see from Eddie Pinheiro to have a little bit of faith in the guy. He's four or, for four on the I, season. I have more Didn't faith in have him. a job a month ago. I have more um, faith in him now than you know I've had in a Bears kicker in since Robbie Gold left. Even Robbie Gold's last you know few years here. But my, I guess my point is you're still only as good as your next kick, and he's still going to have more important totally. kicks here down the road. So let's. I, I don't. There's people, you know, crowning him, and we're making T-shirts, and he's he's you know the toast of the town in Chicago because he made some kicks, which is great. I'm just saying, let's let's give the kids some time here to breathe, and let's just let the season kind of play out and see where we are after that. Well, That's I all feel I'm like saying. I feel like, and we touched on it last week. He's the type of guy who a moment like last last week's game winner can bear fruit and turn into a successful career. I think he I think he's that type of. Um, I think he's that type of energy guy. I think he has that type of swagger. I think that that he does have the swagger, and I do love I that, that about that him. He is not going to let the moment be too big for him. No, and I think that moment on Sunday will have him more comfortable when he steps up to it next time. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. And I remembered my Mitch point where I where I remember I lost it about five minutes ago. Okay, switch. Take us back there. Um, so I think part of the game plan was if you Mitch wasn't really for the most part touched, you know, by passer. Obviously Chubb hit him with that you know, the quote unquote mm-hmm. late hit. Shouldn't have been a late hit. Vaughn Miller was left somewhat neutralized. The offensive line had a tough week against Green Bay. Didn't really pick up much. Didn't really do a great job picking up the blitz. I think part of that play calling and not challenging downfield was to get the ball out and counteract those two edge rushers because Von Miller I don't believe had a sack uh, I don't think he had a uh, quarterback hit I don't really think he touched Mitch all day Chubb really didn't get to him much either so I think that was also part of the we're not going to challenge downfield much because we want to neutralize and take those two out of the game as much as possible and at, for the most part they did succeed there the offensive line wasn't great but they didn't let Von Miller or Bradley Chubb do all that much which is I think you have to chalk that up as a win if you're Harry Heastan in that group. And quite notable because Denver opened up the season on Monday night against Oakland, the game I was at. Zero sacks that day, zero sacks week two. A very talented defensive line, or what we believe to be a very talented defensive line, now with a goose egg through two weeks. I don't know mm-hmm. what to make of it. The only problem I guess I, I have with the way we, also the, the way that the Bears tried to run the football is I think mm-hmm. they took a little bit. I'm, I'm all for establishing the run, obviously. I think they tried a little bit too much of like a power run type approach, and they're just not really built that way. They kind of have five offensive linemen, and the rest of their, you know, their tight ends, their receivers aren't really the blocking type of tight end, unless you're throwing Bradley Soul in there. And if you mm-hmm. have Bradley Soul in at tight end, that's kind of a dead giveaway of what you're doing. So I, I think if they want to really successfully establish a run, because they ran it okay, I wouldn't say they really established a solid run game though against Denver. Mm-hmm. If they want to do that, they're going to have to get a little bit more creative with the ways to do it. Not necessarily, you know fake reverses to Cordero Patterson that, you know, take yeah. off for 80 yards. But they're going to have to get a little bit of cr- bit creative, let's, whether that's, you know, pulling tight ends, about counters, that. stuff like that. Sure. Let's talk about that because is this this is this a long-term setup, this Cordero Patterson running the ball? I mean, they pitched one to him that went for a long gainer last I think week, Matt Nagy's like, goal is early on especially to give him the ball a decent amount. So later on in the year, every time he's on the field, Somewhat like a Tariq Cohen, he has to be accounted for. Every time he's on the field, whether he's in the slot, whether he's in the backfield, whether he's in motion, the defense kind of has to be aware that he's on the move. He might be a factor on this play. It, it, we'll, we'll see how that factors early on. I, I don't think it worked all that well with Tariq Cohen last year because towards the end of the year, the offense sputtered a little bit in that regard. But if you do it the right way and he establishes himself as a weapon who, when he rarely touches the ball, does something with it like he did on that run, defenses mm-hmm. will have to worry about that and be concerned about it. He's never going to be the yeah, like, deep downfield, you know, number one wide receiver threat or the 30 carries a game running back. But if you have him as a gimmick, defenses do need to consider that when he's in. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm just so high on the weapons that we do have that I think do need touches and do need targets. Um, I just I just don't like to see those touches and targets go somewhere else. I don't know. Um, I mean, in that vein, Mitch did a good job and Nagy did a good job of trying to get everyone involved. You had eight tar- eight 
people targeted on Sunday against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Different uh, running backs and receivers targeted, all but two. So six guys uh, were targeted at least three times. So he's trying to move the ball around, at least. Yeah, um, and I think the one guy you'd like to see get a few more targets, get the ball a little bit more, is Anthony Miller. But for the most Anthony part, Miller. I think they did yeah. a decent job of spreading that around. And Anthony Miller is one of these guys is yeah, he's in the slot, but he's a guy that they like to use the challenge downfield. And I think part of this game was they didn't want to take many big risks, big shots downfield because of the time those plays take to develop and because their desi- uh, desire to control the ball, control the clock in this game. And I, I, I could be wrong. I mean, we could, you know, three, four weeks from now still be doing this weird game plan where it's just run the ball, run the ball, you know, pat, you know short pass, punt. And if, if that's the case, I'll admit it. But I, I don't think that is the case. I do think, like last year, they're going to start opening up the playbook a little bit here. And you will see, you know, Mitch on the move. And I think early on, we were talking about kind of the power running, the, the stuff they're doing from under center, which we don't see very often. I got to think they're setting something up there. Because just about yeah. every first and 10, they lined up in, you know, the single back. And it was a turnaround. It was a dive to David Montgomery. And it worked a couple times. Did the job, picked up three, four yards here and there. But. I have to think that that is being set up for something down the road. Well, whatever the setup is, I want to see the playbook open up on Monday night going up against a 0-2 Washington yep. Redskins team on the road. Um, if there is a team susceptible to the deep ball, it, it's shown it's to guys. be the Redskins week one against uh, week one against uh, the Eagles. Deshaun mm-hmm. uh, Jackson beat them over the top twice, and then the Cowboys hit a couple of long ones uh, on Sunday, but they ran the ball super effectively as well between the tackles. So I think you can kind of do whatever you want. So if we see this hesitant offensive play calling, then there is an issue. I think we're going to learn a lot on Monday night because the Redskins have given up 32 and 31 points in back-to-back losses. Mm-hmm. I just, Matt Nagy needs to start listening to that play card, and he just be you. He's a, he's a creative guy. He likes having some fun on offense, and I think he just needs – I know he wants to open up the playbook, and at some point with Mitch, you kind of just have to sink or swim. I, I know – I think that's where his his issue with Mitch lies is the mental capacity to kind of nail everything down. But at some point, you just kind of have to throw the kitchen sink at him. It's year three, and if he doesn't pick it up now, he's not going to. you got to find out. And you're yeah, not going like, to find out by letting them manage games. I, I agree with that. What I disagree with is your initial statement of BU. I think that whole BU, I'm an offensive genius thing, gets Nagy into some precarious situations. That's and fair. He gets, That's I, fair know, I know it's a co- I know it's a cop-out word, but he gets cute with the play calling. No, he, he does. He throws a lot of these Cordell, Cordell Patterson actions that don't move the defense, that don't show Mitch anything. Mm-hmm. If you look at the genesis of this offense, if we're going to go look at Kansas City and Andy Reid's play calling, in the second quarter, Pat Mahomes threw four touchdown passes against the Raiders last week. He had 250-plus yards passing in one quarter of football. Two of those touchdowns were just four vertical schemes down the, yeah. down the seams. There was no crazy mm-hmm. action coming to the backfield. There was no big play action. It was four verticals against the defense they felt that they that their quarterback and receivers were better than, and they let him read a defense in a super simple format. Yeah. But you look at it, and they got matchups they wanted. They split Travis Kelsey outside, and he had one-on-one with a linebacker 30 yards from the ball. Like, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. The setup doesn't always have to be in play or movement. It can be in formation. Like, yeah. I just feel like... Nagy sometimes gets a little cute and crazy with these setups and tries to run these like bootleg play actions, throw it back across the field to a deep post type thing. Like drop Mitch back, let him read four receivers running vertically down the field and make a throw. Like it, it, it can be that simple that sometimes. And if it works, then you can call it whatever you want. If there was a play action, call it an RPO, uh, call it whatever, whatever makes you feel like an offensive genius. Get back to simple schemes like That's we a, talked that, about hey, that, last week. Get back to is, simple schemes and execute. That is a very fair criticism, and I, I, I'm not going to <laughs> – it doesn't make for great podcasting, but I'm not really going to argue with you there at all. Uh, sometimes we, – we've said it a bunch of times. We're not the only ones to say it. A lot of people say it. He gets a little bit cute here and there. And at some point, you just have to go back to what's black and white and what you know is going to work and what might simplify things for your quarterback that you don't necessarily have all the faith in. 
most importantly, you got to believe that you have better players, at least weapons, that you have better weapons than they do defenders. And, and I think that's that going to be weapons. the case this weekend. I think that we have better weapons than the other teams have defenders in most cases this season. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I just want to see that exploited rather than this um, self-prophesizing offensive genius BS that we're kind of mm-hmm. getting into the weeds on here. That's fair. Um, but um, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, obviously thrilled that the Bears could pull out a victory, especially in the fashion that they did, uh, driving down the field with about 30 seconds left, kicking the field goal, Eddie Money, uh, slipping the uprights at altitude. Um, but he had that one, He had that, that didn't sneak over the crossbar. No, he I had to get back into it. No, no, he had it. I, I, again, we um, don't need to get back into anything. I'm not by no means trying to be critical of Eddie Pinero. I, I tried to say that, but uh, I guess one more, I guess one more, thing I mm-hmm. caught myself noticing with the offenses and hopefully this is something again they start doing as the as the year goes on Mitch needs to pull the ball a little bit more I don't know if this is on his reads if they're calling straight runs or not some of the Bears biggest plays last year were Mitch pulling it on that read option there were a couple circumstances mm-hmm. I want to say there's one of them on the goal line uh, where you know if he pulls he's got all day to run he's crossing in the goal line untouched with these and I, I think I know they don't want to get him hurt because we saw what happens when Chase Daniel plays last year. But man, if they can get Mitch open in space and, and kind of get him uh, get him moving a little bit, get him a little more comfortable, have him pulling the ball, run the ball, that's one of his best assets to this offense. I really think it can kind of take off and give them a whole new element that not a lot of other teams have. Yeah, pulling it there, um, some design draw up the middle, like give him give him options in the mm-hmm. pass game, but have certain looks where hey, we know we. No, on that's gonna be paying their ears back. Middle of the field's gonna open right up. Walk yeah. yourself up the middle for a first down type, mm-hmm. type schemes. But no, I totally agree with you that you know we do want him to develop as a passer and as a pro style quarterback. But let's put him in position strengths. to succeed. Exactly, put him in a position to um, really show his strengths. And in a lot of instances, that is you know on his feet. Yeah. rather than through the air. But um, no, I agree with you. Matt, before we move on, let's take a quick look at the defense. Um, I believe it was three different players with double-digit tackles, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, and Eddie Jackson. Uh, Eddie Jackson, man, was seems all, to be over fantastic. all over the yep. field. He looked fantastic. He made one kind of bad uh, missed tackle that led to a big play. It wasn't missed tackle, but he kind of followed his man a little bit too far after the play developed and lost contained. But for the most part... Everyone was uh, – there's not really a complaint on defense on my end. They got a little bit tired at the end. Joe Flacco was kind of able to dink and dunk, and it took Emmanuel Sanders pretty much having a heroic effort to score a touchdown. So I, I'm thrilled with what we saw again. Yeah, defensively, they looked really solid. Uh, again, kind of a one-drive situation that, that Emmanuel Sanders uh, touched down. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, a fantastic catch. But um, still would like – you know, I know they're trying, and I know that um, – they're going to at some point break through and have that six sack game, and hopefully that begets more six sack mm-hmm. games. But um, want to see them continue to get after the quarterback. And the thing about last year with the takeaways was I don't feel like there were many. Oh, we should have had that takeaways um, or failed takeaways. Yeah, there were a couple last week against the Broncos that you know um, would have been a drive ender, a mm-hmm. game tying drive if. Uh, if uh, Leonard Floyd's able to pull that one in, that could have been intercepted. That would have been nice. Um, Kyle Fuller could have undercut it, undercut a couple. I mean, he made a great play on the one that he did pick off, but still want to see more pressure on the quarterbacks. They want to see more takeaways because that is the strength of this football team. And regardless of how good Mitch in this offense gets, it will be the strength oh, of yeah. this football team. I'm with you on the takeaways. The sacks are still... They had two, and then I didn't, didn't see the exact penalty yardage, but... They'd have had two or three more if they didn't cause like six or seven holding penalties. I mean, I think Garrett yeah. Bowles had like four or five on his own. So That's while they point. while they didn't really record the sacks, I mean, holding penalty is essentially they're getting that pressure ten, and forcing. The yeah, it's a ten yard loss. So it's it's not going to go down in the records as a sack. But I am I'm with you there. And you brought up Leonard Floyd, and I don't want to turn this into a bashing the rest because they were equally bad on both sides. But I mean, my God, man, what is he supposed to do on that unnecessary roughness call? He oh, wrapped a yeah, guy up from behind too. and just pulled him down, and they said he body. Like I, I don't. I know that's with quarterbacks to overprotect, it was a, but man, that was, was a running hip, back in the backfield. 
it was a hip toss that he guided a guy down to the ground. It yeah. was it wasn't even like a body slam. I could understand how like from an angle that might look bad, but I, you know, it, put it in the same bucket as the roughing on uh, on Mitch. And I know the two different and the one situations. On Flacco, one Eddie early, Goldman had the one. That yeah, was one terrible. early in the game, one late in the game, and then Eddie Goldman in the middle of the game. I, I just just um, you know, we could do a whole podcast. At least on, it was bad all around. <laughs> The yeah, we could do a whole podcast on kind of the evolution of just how these penalties are being called, and uh, I, I just just think it's really really tough to, to be a defender in the NFL right now. It is, and, and honestly, it makes it all that more impressive how good the Bears' defense, at least through two weeks, has been, and you know has been now through a year and two weeks. Uh, Matt, what do you say we look at the rest of Week Two around the NFL? It was a fun one. Let's do it. Okay, um, pulling pulling the games up now. So. That's okay. That's you know that's why you got to be prepared like I am. I was, and then I went off of that to look at a different box score. See, that's and, you uh, know that's a rookie mistake. There, you got to have multiple tabs open. And here we are, leading things off with the Buccaneers and the Panthers, an absolutely ugly ball game, twenty to fourteen. The Bucks take this one. Jameis Winston throws for two hundred eight and a touchdown. Cam Newton exits. Uh, with I believe it's a shoulder injury, correct? He, no, he's stayed. Shoulder he's that, he now stayed I heard in. It, now I heard he aggravated a foot. I don't really know what's going up with him. Can't uh, keep and track of that guy's bill of health. Um, I just never going to play a full season. I just I don't really. Th- if I'm the Panthers, I'm seriously starting to consider what my next option is, whether that's Kyle Allen or Will Greer. Um, they have the weapons to do it, and you just saw Cam just completely inaccurate, missing receivers left and right. Uh, and the, this was after he complained in week one that Christian McCaffrey pretty much got too much attention. He wasn't being asked to do enough. They asked him to do a lot here, and this is what he did. Um, and then I, I saw a lot of people giving this game flack and saying, you know, the Thursday night football game stinks. And I need people to stop that because it might not be great football, but some football is better than no football. And I'd rather have football on yeah. Thursday night than not. And that's what I have to say. And I don't want it to be a great game wasted that should be a weekend game. Yeah, give, give me, me a good. Give, give me a good. We got Titans game. Jags on Thursday night. Let's go. Beautiful. That's awesome. That's what Thursday night football was meant to be. Buckingham. If I Panthers like the line, that's Titans what we're Jags. looking for. Yeah, it's tight. Titans are given a point and a half. I think. Uh, we moved to Cincinnati where the 49ers took care of the Bengals 41-17. to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, efficient, three touchdowns, and the three-headed monster of San Francisco's backfield in Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, and Jeff Wilson Jr. Amassing, I think, 260-some yards mm-hmm. uh, on the ground. Uh, all three of them can catch the ball out of the backfield, too. They're just going to be really tough, especially if they're each other and all three of those guys seem willing to be kind of a three-headed monster mm-hmm. type rotation with no real semblance of who's in on what down except that they really like Jeff Wilson Jr. on the goal line. Um, San Francisco got a little momentum here 2-0 going to have their own home opener uh, this coming week against a really depleted Pittsburgh team but uh, in terms of last week just a really good showing by Garoppolo the defense got after the quarterback um, interesting storyline here is that after the game in Tampa Bay week one, Kyle Shanahan kept the team in Ohio before the game. So they spent the week in Youngstown, Ohio at a Holiday Inn. Oh, that sounds uh, really gal- galvanizing moment there for the ball club. But uh, it showed reduced some inflammation, reduced some air travel and uh, got the boys another win here in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, you covered most of it. I mean, they, I think the key word for me in that game was just efficiency. They were able on both sides, not both sides, but both, at both aspects of the offense. They were able to run it efficiently, pass it efficiently. Yeah. They have that three-headed monster at running back. And they got an offensive line that, uh, it, what Joe Staley did go down, right? I think I saw that. Uh, broken fibula six so to eight weeks. He's going to be out for a little while, and that's obviously going to be a knock on them. But they got an offensive line that's that's really gelling. I think they only allowed, what, the one sack in week one. And I they allowed nothing their offense to put a 41 in week. I don't think it was either yeah. one or nothing. Um, so good for you. Yeah, nothing in week two. I'm looking at the box score now. So I if your offensive line is allowing one sack through two weeks and, and letting your running backs get off like that, you're in good shape, and I don't care who you're playing. Chargers and Lions, uh, thirteen to ten. Snoozer, the Lions take this one. Philip Rivers throws a Yolo ball into double coverage late in the fourth quarter, driving to either tie or take the lead, and uh, that's how this one ended. The Lions now one zero and one. Yeah, I don't know. It happened. Um, it was a game. <laughs> it was a thing. It, it was a thing. If you know, Philip Rivers threw the same pass pretty much. Mitch did in Week One, but you don't see anybody roasting him for it. Um, but yeah, that th- this game happened. 
Kenny Galladay like looks good. Yeah. He's a good receiver. He, Saint Rita kid. He looks. He's target number one. Well, I forgot he's a Saint Rita kid. Saint Rita kid. Rob, uh, Rob lets Packers me know about and, it every year. Packers and Vikings. The Packers win twenty-one sixteen, setting the world on fire. Everyone picking them as NFC Championship favorites. Pencil them into the game now. Two and zero Packers take care of the Vikings um, again. Vikings really showing the ability to run the ball, but uh, Kirk Cousins is Kirk. overwhelming. Underwhelming in the past game, 14 of 32, 230 yards and a touchdown, and a game-ending interception in the red zone. It was a weird game because the Packers kind of jumped off to that huge start, and then they were kind of holding on for dear life. And honestly, yeah, 21 nothing, and then just kind of like if Kirk Cousins doesn't down. heave a ball from for, on first and goal in the eight into triple coverage in the back corner, I mean, who knows what happens? That's why you don't throw the ball with Kirk Cousins on first and goal. Um, or really ever if you don't have to, but you said it from himself. It, the Packers are uh, are going to be an interesting team to follow all year because you know Rodgers and Lafleur had a little bit a little bit of another spat on the sideline there, so it'll be fun to watch. And you said it, the Vikings can run the football. Man, Dalvin Cook is uh, he looks like the real deal. Award for game I saw the least of: Colts versus Titans, nineteen to seventeen. The Colts win this one. That's as far as my analysis goes. Yeah, uh, you didn't really miss it. Jacoby Brissett did a nice job managing the game. Marcus Mariota kind of went back to being who he is after a nice game against the Browns. Uh, I think the key storyline for this one is, is keeping a track on you know how many more weeks we're going to be watching Adam Finitary. Uh, trotting out the kick as much as he is just a kicker. I mean, he, he's probably the best to do it, and he missed with two extra points and a field goal, I think it was. Um, so that'll be uh, thankfully he did miss that field goal because then the Titans covered. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of the main storyline. Is he's uh, he might be on his last legs. The Colts are out there trying out kickers this week. Dolphins versus the Patriots. The Pats uh, exercised their miracle in Miami Demons, winning forty-three to nothing. Dolphins really appear to be tanking. Um, the Patriots really appear to be a very good football team again. Two defensive scores. That defense is sneaky. Going to be a top three defense in the league this year if they can stay healthy. Um, they, they just they do a really six good points job. in their last three games. Uh, they are outscoring their opponents right now, seventy-six to three this season. The Patriots good math. Good and math. their next five opponents are the Jets, the Bills, the Redskins, the Giants, and the Jets before playing the Browns on October 27th. So uh, we are going to be looking at a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 0 team uh, heading into that game with the Browns, probably outscoring all of those opponents by at least three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of said all that needs to be said there. The Patriots are probably going to win the Super Bowl. They're probably going to win the AFC. There's a pretty good chance they go undefeated this year. And uh, Miami is apparently trying to go the other way. Uh, picked up another first-round pick from the Steelers. That was a weird move, trading uh, their first, which might be, might be somewhat of an early first-round pick if, if they were without Big Ben and how they've looked so far this year. But, yeah, picking up Minka. Um, the Dolphins kind of stink. Yeah. Bills and Your Giants. Dolphins. My Dolphins. Bills and Giants. The Bills win this one 28-14. to 14. Uh, the Eli Manning, most importantly, the Eli Manning uh, tenure, career, I don't want to say career, we'll likely see him throughout the rest of the season, but Daniel Jones is set to start next week mm-hmm. after another um, just super underwhelming performance by Eli Manning. So uh, football in the Northeast, 28-14, Bills win. Yeah, uh, Josh Allen looked good again. Josh Allen's a running back? I don't know. He, he's a running back. He also was 19-30 here, 253 yards, threw for a touchdown. He's a he's been a very under the radar impressive storyline for the first half of the year because as bad as you know the Jets might have looked Monday night, you know, that that defense isn't bad. He did pretty well there. The Giants defense I guess isn't god awful uh, and he played all right, uh, but the Giants are, are going to struggle all year. Seahawks and Steelers. Seahawks escape with another close victory, twenty eight to twenty six. Uh, the Steelers hanging around even after the exit of a season ending, possibly career ending injury to Ben Roethlisberger. Non contact to the elbow will have surgery. Um, don't know exactly what they're calling it, but 
uh, he's probably gonna have a Tommy John. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's an elbow. It's an elbow yeah. ligament. Um, it's gonna be a while. I don't know if we ever see Big Ben play football again. But uh, uh, on a week to week basis, Seahawks win 28 to 26. Russell Wilson, fantastic, 29 of 35, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and an absolute beauty drop in the bucket to uh, DK Metcalf and his 12 ab muscles. Yeah. <laughs> Um, hopefully it's not the end of Big Ben's career, but if Mason Rudolph goes out and has a good year, uh, it might be the end of his Steelers tenure. Um, other than this game, I didn't see a ton of it. Uh, the, the Seahawks, though, are starting to worry me a little bit. They're my pick to win the NFC West. And, uh, you know, they, they barely survive a Bengals team at home who gets slaughtered by the, the, uh, the 49ers this week. Then they uh, Obviously, any win on the road's a good one, but they kind of barely beat the Steelers, who were shorthanded, and they obviously looked terrible in Week 1. So I'm starting to wonder what kind of team they are after Russell Wilson. I think they're just really deficient defensively right now, and that sounds so funny to say about Seattle Seahawks and, and the Seahawks, but um, uh, offensively, they've shown the ability to get it done, mm-hmm. um, at least for like six quarters. Yeah. So I think defense is going to be their weaknesses here. Cowboys and Redskins, 31 to 21. Cowboys walk away with the win. Uh, Dak Prescott uh, kind of dinking and dunking his way around a Redskins defense that Mitch should be able to do the same to next week. Uh, 26 of 32, 69, and three touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott, 100 plus, and a touchdown. Um, it was really just kind of a comprehensive Cowboys win. Nothing mm-hmm. below you away. Uh, another touchdown to the tight end, Jason Witten. Um, it just was exactly what you expect out of the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, Zeke looked good. Dak looked good. So Jason Witten scored. I mean, this is I feel like the same typical Cowboys when we've been seeing for the last like you know five years or so. Especially over the Redskins, Cardinals and Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson doubles down with another great performance, twenty-three to seventeen. Kyler Murray looked like he took a step forward from week one to week two, looking a little bit more comfortable uh, hitting some of his throws. No touchdown passes, but three hundred and forty-nine yards through the air. He threw it forty times, but that's what he's going to do. Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, did run the ball uh, sixteen times for one hundred and twenty yards. Also threw for two fifty plus. I believe he's the first quarter back in league history to uh, surpass both of those numbers in the same game. Lamar looked good again. I'm still kind of waiting to see what he looks like against a very good, you know, a good matchup. I mean, week one was obviously the Dolphins this week. We're going to see that who do they have this week? Okay, we will see the Chiefs this yeah. week. Um, you said Kyler looked a little bit better. Obviously went on the road. He threw yep. 350 yards. Hard to, hard to knock that. Uh, I'm kind of coming out of this wondering how much longer Larry Fitzgerald's going to play because he looked pretty darn good again. And I have a hard time believing he just came back for one year of a rookie quarterback. So that's, that's something I'm going to kind of follow here, which I think everybody that's, else will. That's a good thing to keep an eye on. Um, as you see, He just kind of... He just kind of always looks like Larry. He has for the last however long. He looks like he did 10 years ago. Still go up and get it. Jaguars and Texans, another stinker, 13 to 12. Unders were uh, were lucrative this week, uh, one could say. Gardner Minshew uh, in his NFL starting debut had an all right showing, but uh, comes up a point shy in this one. fourth quarter scoring was pretty much it my, my issue with this game would kind of, I'm going to tie it back to the Bears here and I, you obviously can't compare you know, Patrick Mahomes is far and away the best quarterback in that draft class and you can't knock the Bears for any, really anybody early on for not taking him because nobody saw him as an early first round talent most people have him going in the second round but Deshaun Watson if you look at his stat line had basically the same exact stat line as Mitch Trubisky and nobody is out here saying, oh, well, Deshaun, Texans can't win with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's terrible. What, what's wrong with Deshaun Watson? All that type of stuff. So I just, yeah, I, but I don't get the love the that difference, he gets. The difference is, I'll tell you exactly what the love is. He's had those explosive moments and games in the past that's given him the benefit of the doubt. Mitch we hasn't know had the explosive moments, he's but he's had efficient, very good games. Like, he had the six touchdown okay. breakout just, against Tampa just, last year. He, you just you just told us the difference. Efficiency versus explosiveness. Like, Deshaun Watson is a rare talent at the quarterback position with the ability to ball, throw the ball 75 yards through the air, big tacklers and go break a 75-yard run at the same time. Like, that's just, there's just no denying that Deshaun Watson is a far superior athlete to Mitch Trubisky. So when 
everyday NFL fans and even analysts are looking at these two guys side by side. It looks completely different. And the eye test is the number one test that people go by. Deshaun Watson has had those explosive eye test games. Mitch has yet to. Fair enough. I just, I don't think. I just. I think the criticism should be similar or the comparison should be somewhat similar because I don't think they're I think Deshaun Watson's the better quarterback. I don't think it's all that far off is all stop I'm saying. Mi- stop Mitch explaining, okay? Fair Chiefs enough. and Raiders Fair 28 enough. to 20 to 10. Uh, all 28 of the Chiefs points coming in the second quarter. They honestly could have won this game 42 to 10. They just didn't finish many yeah. drives. Uh, Mahomes having a freak second quarter like we said. And that was it. Uh, 250, 256 of his 443 passing yards coming in the second quarter. Uh, Josh Jacobs, a yard shy of his first 100-yard rushing game. But uh, the Raiders showing some some spurts here and there. And uh, here was the first quarter. There was the rest of the game. Ten points. They actually went out to a early 10-0 lead. And then no points scored from that point on. So no second-half scoring here in Chiefs Raiders. So did you get to see much of this game? I did. Uh, my, my question to you is Josh Jacobs ran for 99 yards but only 12 carries. Why isn't he getting the ball more? You get out to a 10 nothing lead, you um, think you want to hold on to the ball and try and establish that run with your stud running back, right? He missed the majority of the third quarter. He's dealing with a lingering groin okay, injury. Okay, I did not so. see that part. I, that was um, just kind of on red zone because the Bears are also on at the same time. So that was not a game that I was I watching. I believe he's listed as probable for this coming week. So a okay. little, little tender groin. Uh, we hit Bears Broncos 16-14. All that matters is the W. Saints and Rams 27-9. Another legendary quarterback down. Drew Brees, uh, they're calling, I believe, an eight-week injury. Six to eight week uh, with a torn ligament in his thumb. We now get to see Teddy Bridgewater try and uh, orchestrate that Saints offense. But the Rams took control of this one and really never let up. 27-9 the final. Yeah, the Rams looked solid. Um, I hope this doesn't turn into now... The, in the offseason um, forward passes and when the whistle blew becoming reviewable because the Saints got yeah. screwed by it again. Um, the refs, I think, just kind of need to learn from this and just let the guys play and you can always come back and reverse it. I, I think that's the way you got to go about it. Um, but the main takeaway for me is Drew Brees, like you said, going to miss six to eight weeks, which means he's probably not going to play the Bears in five weeks. Yep. Um, not Bring it terrible, on, Teddy. Not a terrible thing there. And uh, this was also for me, this is the Cooper Cup comeback game. I'm comfortable. My knee is good. Five receptions, 120 yeah, yards. Good for him. Um, stretching it down the field, turning back up to the quarterback, like everything you want to see out of a guy who is coming off the knee. Nice, so yeah, uh, yeah. Cooper Cup's back. Eagles and Falcons. The Falcons win this one 24-20. to 20. Uh, Julio Jones scores that late touchdown pass, just doing all the work for Matty Ice, catching a little uh, little. I think it was it was a little slant route, little little curled up slant route, and then just beating everybody to the mm-hmm. end zone. He's good. Um, he's really good. The Eagles, on the other hand, and you know we're, we're I guess we're knocking quarterbacks today or comparing all quarterbacks to uh, Mitch. I think we need to pump our brakes on Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I got. I, I had people before that game saying you know he could be the NFL MVP. I don't, and see he could. It. I mean, he could. Uh, he could. You're right. In theory, anybody. He's got the arm talent. Could. He's your pocket passer. He's got a really talented group around him. If you're in the conversation for NFC Championship and Super Bowl, that helps. I think the Eagles will be somewhere in shouting distance of those conversations. But he just doesn't look convincing to me. He doesn't look convinced in his own convictions. He looks like. He's still really aware of that knee and, mm-hmm. and taking contact. I mean, he took a beating on Sunday night, and his body held up, which is a great sign. But uh, I think a lot of his throws were affected even when he wasn't taking that beating. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of with you. It's it's when is Carson Wentz going to go, and kind of when is this offense going to go? I know they broke out last weekend against the Redskins in the second half, but I mean, that was against a pretty bad Redskins secondary, and they started really slowly. So that's a team that I'm a little bit concerned about because they had such high expectations going into the year that you talked about the weapons, and we really haven't seen that offense yet. Now they're going to be without Deshaun Jackson, I think, for two weeks, and I know Alshon went down too, so that's a little bit more knock to their explosiveness, but that's that's going to be a team worth watching. I think the Cowboys have uh, firmly entrench themselves as a favorite in that division after what was kind of a toss-up uh, between those two at the start of the year. Yeah. 
And then the Monday night Browns-Jets matchup, 23-3. The Browns finished this one off with an Odell Beckham slant uh, that he took to the house. A nice middle finger to uh, his return at the Meadowlands and uh, a Greg Williams defense who had some choice words for him. So um, still, again, another quarterback who whose feet don't look set to no, Baker Mayfield. He, um, I just And I know that's how he throws the ball. It's a little bit of a sidewinder thing, but another guy who I'd like to see set his feet and throw the ball. Yeah, I saw the, uh, I think it was yesterday, probably would, would have been yesterday because the recap of Monday Night Games, the you know, conversation topic, I think, on Fox. Like, does Brown's win against Jets convince you they're Super Bowl contenders? And I don't know how anybody could have watched that game and said, yeah, that's a Super Bowl team right there. They won 23-3. to They did what they had to do to win on the road in a hostile environment. But they still like look like they have a lot left to be desired and a lot more to work on against good competition, which, oh, by the way, they're going to see this Sunday night when the Rams come to town. Yeah. Um, that will be a nice test for them. But uh, another entertaining week of NFL They're football. all entertaining. They're Looking all entertaining. at uh, the week three slate, let's let's pick a, a couple must-sees. Um, we got some stinkers out there. Uh, Brock? No such thing as a stinker in my Nikki. opinion. Could be a sneaky good one. I'm really looking forward Vic to is, what uh, Vic has always known how, known how to contain Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Even back to his 49ers day. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Very excited to see what Lamar Jackson can do at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, outside of that, marquee matchup is kind of Saints-Seahawks, but you got a quarterback who's down there in the Saints. Uh, Rams-Browns could be a good one. And then Bears Monday night on the national yep. stage. We, we, you said it there. Rams-Browns is really the, the proving ground game for, I think, the Browns, it's going to show where they're actually at because obviously they got slaughtered by the Titans who aren't that great of a team. They're a solid team, nothing great. They beat the Jets. The Jets aren't great, but I think that's kind of the main one that sticks out to me. And then obviously, like you said, who is Lamar Jackson? How good is Lamar Jackson? Is he really a, you know, dual, like that big of a dual threat, the guy we've seen the first two weeks, or is he more just preying on bad competition? So that's the one I think if you had to pick one game of the week, that's the one you're looking on. Also, two 20-point spreads this week, Joe. Can both teams cover? You don't see that much in the NFL. You barely Um, see one. Another thing that you don't see much of is consistent quarterback play, and we've kind of touched on it already, Mm. but looking at the slate for next week and just looking at the teams, I mean, how many quarterbacks are you truly afraid of in the NFL right now Um, or truly confident in? You could even lower the bar to that. I'd say Dak with the Cowboys. I'd say Even I, I'm confident in Dak from a Cowboys fan. Line. He's if confident. I'm, yeah. if, I, if I'm an opposing fan, I'm not afraid of Dak. I'm afraid of the weapons they no. have around him because the the weapons allow him to be good. But so I'm not afraid of him personally. Let's look at it from a confident. If it's your team, confident okay. if it's your team in your quarterback. I think Dak for the Cowboys. I think ah, you could make a case for Flacco. I I wouldn't be confident after weeks one and two. Um, Telling you, Josh Allen's getting to that point for me. I'm getting to the point where I'm confident in him, where he's going to go out and give me a chance to win. You're confident and afraid of Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Um, I guess Matt Ryan, you're confident. You're kind of confident in. Uh, I don't think Jacoby Brissett has enough work under his belt. Um, Lamar Jackson, you're confident. You're starting to be afraid. I guess uh, Pat Mahomes. I'll tell you how I feel, but I'll tell you if I'm confident or afraid of Lamar Jackson after this week. Not that what okay. he's done in the first two weeks isn't great. It's spectacular. We don't know how good those two teams are. I will. We will know after this week if we're confident and you know, or should be afraid of him. I think you're opinion. confident. I think you're confident. It's Derek Carr is your quarterback. You're not afraid of him. I think that you're neither confident, but you are afraid if Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. You're afraid of if he's your quarterback. Oh, you're terrified <laughs> if he's your quarterback. Um, Jets. Who's Five Jets and twenty-six right now, now against Sam winning Donald's teams. Got mono, so we're not afraid. Uh, of anything and then there. Trevor Simeon got hurt, so it'll be Luke Falk. Yeah, not confident, not afraid. Um, they just Patriots, scooped up. Uh, they just scooped up Bears legend David Fails, by the way, to be their new Patriots. Goes without saying. I think the Eagles' quarterback situation is very much in question, as we as we said. Uh, Panthers' quarterback situation in question. Cardinals just super young. Giants, who knows? Buccaneers, we know. Texans, confident and afraid, kind of. I think we're more. I think that's an interesting one. I think that's one where you're afraid. I think I'm more afraid of Deshaun than I am confident in him because exactly. he's capable, like, like you said, exactly. of doing something amazing on every play. But it almost seems more times than not we kind of see these, you know, ho hum type games from where he doesn't do all that much, but he's always kind of lurking. From there on, I mean, Steelers don't inspire many feelings. Jimmy G, uh, 
he's you're almost confident in him. We're yeah. getting to be confident in him. Maybe not there. Still need to see a little Wilson, more, but yeah. We're always Russell Wilson is the quarterback Wilson. I think that you could be most confident in across this league from a week-to-week basis. Yeah, after Tom Brady. 150-plus after Tom, yeah. Um, Goff, eh, confident. Baker, neither. Mitch, neither. Mitch, both. <laughs> and uh, who are we looking at? Is Case, the Case quarterback? Keenum. Or no, it's Keenum He's right now. Whatever. So. Yeah, so I just think you know, as as it is every year, quarterback play is is we're, a premium. We're not the only ones with the issues, folks. Um, I, I don't want to have the conversation, but Trevor Lawrence, like Trevor Lawrence, we'll we'll have a conversation about this. Obviously, <laughs> once the season comes down, I mean, Trevor Lawrence isn't playing until you know, obviously two years, two years. From now. Yeah, so we're, I'm we'll just looking a, at. I'm I looking at the Bears quarterback situation. I'm looking at some I'm looking situations at down the road. And I, I, I've, I've, two I've years from now, process. the decisions I, you have to make, um, you'd obviously, I don't think they're going to be a bad enough football team. Yeah, if you're getting Trevor Lawrence, you have to be picking number one overall, Joe. And you you, you make some trades for, for the number one overall pick, I think is what you do. Yeah, if, that, if they wanted to do that, I don't think anyone could complain, but that's it's putting the cart not just before the horse, like, Way before the horse, like two miles. That's before what I the said horse. I, didn't, I didn't even want to. Didn't even want to approach it. We, we'll talk. We'll talk because there's there's going to be some intriguing options depending on how the, the rest of the year goes for Mitch. Well, a semi safe segue to uh, some college football: Georgia sure. and Notre Dame, the marquee matchup this week at Georgia between the hedges. Matt, um, are you at all confident? In Notre Dame's ability to go on the road and win this football game. Well, you know, let's just turn this into buy or sell because that okay. is the basis of right my in. buy or sell question to you. I'll answer it as well, but I okay. want you to go first here. Notre Dame is a 14-point underdog, depending on where you're checking. Uh, so I want to ask you, buy or sell the spread? Buy or sell Georgia as a 14-point favorite over Notre Dame? Um, if I'm betting that game, which I'm staying away from it, I'm betting Notre Dame on the road to cover the two scores. I think okay. it's going to be a good football game. Do I think it's another one where we ask ourselves what could have been if it wasn't for X, Y, or Z? Yes. Um, I, I think that it's a, uh, I think it's ultimately a good loss at the end of the day. I think it's going to be a really good game, but I do think that home field advantage and, and Georgia's depth um, prevail in this one. You are a more confident Notre Dame fan than I am. Okay. I hope you're right. <laughs> From what I've said, I buy the 14 point spread. I think I, wow. I think it opened up at 12. I thought that mm-hmm. was about right. I, I don't think 14's way off. I haven't seen enough from Ian book this year or in, you know, big road games, hostile environment games past to inspire a ton of confidence in me about, about what he can do against the team that, is better than Notre Dame. It's not a team that Notre Dame can't beat by any means, but a team that is more talented, more you know, probably deep across the board than Notre Dame is. My worry is that the defense is going to be able to hold their own for a while, but the offense will not be able to stay on the field long enough to give them blows, and I think Georgia runs the mm-hmm. ball better than anybody in the country. I think they have better offensive line than anybody in the country. I think that depth across the board combined with Notre Dame's lack of depth leads to you know a close game at half that Georgia ultimately is able to pull away in, with a couple of big plays because Notre Dame's defense just gets gassed. That's my big worry about this one. I, I need Ian Book to show me something on the road in a hostile environment before I believe him because the Louisville game wasn't good. I don't care what. Yeah. I know they won. I know they put up 30-whatever points. He wasn't good. The New, uh, Was it New Mexico this weekend? He even started out this one not looking all that good. Obviously, they figured it out, put up a bunch of points. He didn't look that great early on. So I, I'm still waiting for a prove-me moment for me, Ian Book because he has the tools. I'm just not sure he has it all in the confidence and the, the mental side of the game. And a perfect opportunity for that prove-me moment on the road at number three, Georgia, this week. Hey, if you like FCS football, great I like all football. this weekend as well. Number four versus number one, my UC Davis Aggies taking on North Dakota State mm. at the Fargo Dome. Oh, boy. Going to be can't-miss stuff. Is that going to be televised? Um, yes. Fox Sports 1, I think. Okay, there sure. you go. He took it a while um, to think of it, but yeah, all right. Going to be a great ball game. Jake Mayer, quarterback out here at UC Davis, can really sling the rock. He's got some targets. Um, they can They can score the ball, but... We know the defending champion, North Dakota State Bison, uh, are the gold standard of FCS football mm-hmm. until otherwise. Um, so a, a good one there, a sleeper there. And any Matt, other games uh, on the college slate before we uh, – you're keeping – I know you got to buy or sell here, but we're talking college slates. Anything to catch your eye this weekend? 
Um, you know, not off the top of my head, but if I'm looking at the matchups, uh, SC Utah is always entertaining. Um, that's a, that's a 6 p.m. kick out here on the West Coast. So uh, you'll have an 8 p.m. kick, some, some nice late night football for you guys in the Midwest there. Um, but outside of that, uh, I, I don't see anyone sneaking up on anyone. I mean, Michigan, Wisconsin is that's the, the game that has my eye caught. I was yeah, a little bit surprised 11. Wisconsin's a three point favorite in that one, given how you know Vegas and the media usually pumps up Michigan. Mm-hmm. That'll be a fun uh, Mi- one to watch. Michigan State Northwestern, while unranked, is always a, a good matchup. Especially, I thought Michigan State was going to make a statement this season um, with the way the defense not. played Week One, and then they give that one up to Arizona State. So I think this is kind of an anything can happen ball game between Man, those two. I don't think I'm going to take this as my lock of the week, Joe. But 38 and a half seems like a whole lot of points for those two to be scoring at 11 a.m. on a Saturday at Ryan Field. So I oh, think you're uh, just an under guy, huh? In this game. Have you yeah. seen these two offenses play? Have you seen Michigan State's offense? It's and just such quite a honestly, low their number. defense too. You could accidentally score thirty-eight points in they college. Could. They haven't yet. Yeah. Um, well, Matt, let's let's jump right into our locks. I know we're mid by our cell here, but uh, there's no better time. Sure. Uh, why don't you give me your lock of the week? You know, I actually changed it midway through. I, I started off here before sorry the podcast. To, sorry to interject. Sorry to interject. Just to get mm-hmm. us up to speed. Oh yeah. Uh, Matt is now two and one. Two and one. I am one and two. Both of us won this past week. Joe, you so had you had Nebraska tickets. covering the what? Was it thir- like sixteen and a half or seventeen at home against? I, I believe it was right around there. They, uh, they cruised 16, easily, sixteen and a half. Yeah, and then cruised. I had the uh, I had the under in the uh, the Titans Colts game, which hit by about six or seven points. So went not too mm-hmm. not too much of a worry there. Uh, my original pick this week was going to be the Rams giving three on the road at Cleveland, which I still really really like. I, I just I think I found a college line I like more. Okay. Texas at home, minus five against Oklahoma State. Going to be a lot of points scored there. I haven't seen much from Oklahoma State because they haven't really played much. They played Tulsa this week. That was close a little bit until they pulled away. I think Texas is really, really good, and I think they win that game by more than five points at home. So you're taking Texas covering? Give me Texas that number again. covering the five at home Texas, against Oklahoma State. Texas covering five against OK State. I like the pick. Um, it is a sound pick indeed, and uh, for me, you know, if if the horse hasn't bucked you yet, you stay you stay on it. There you go. You ride it or bull. If the bull hasn't bucked you or the horse, I, you know, both I mean, both I'm, are good. City guy, I both never, work. But yeah. I'm good without horses. Yeah, and all, all that. But point being, I am staying on the Cornhuskers this week for my lock of the week. They're traveling to Illinois, a terrible football team, only having to cover thirteen and a half points on the road. I think this Scott Frost. Scott Frost's offense and the weapons that he has and Adrian Martinez at quarterback, they have the ability to score the ball and score the ball quickly. Um, This is a situation where if it's a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter, I will feel safe because Illinois knows how to quit better than anyone else. They really do. I like Nebraska covering 13.5 late in this one, winning by 14-plus. I say 17-21 to range. And Joe and I, after we're, we're done with this podcast, we're both going to make our picks on BetSperts. BetSperts.com, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, allows you to find experts in every league, conference, division, every sport, all that kind of stuff. You can follow whoever you want, displays records of people who are doing what, uh, you know, picking certain divisions, leagues, whatever well, people who p- aren't picking very well. You can fade them. You can have your own profile. You can post certain stats. They got a whole bunch of things. Every, if you're gambling in sports, get on BetSperts and follow, start following people, start following their social media feed. We're posting our podcast on there every week. Uh, it is a great spot for the the casual gambler to to get educated on the uh, the lines and, and all the numbers before they go out and make their picks. But you got to buy or sell them. You got to buy or sell. I'm imagining. Betsperts, Betsperts, Betsperts. Buy or sell Betsperts. We're buying. We're be- uh, we're buying Betsperts because we are Betsperts. Now a bonus buy or sell. Matt, sure. buy or sell the Jonas Bowl. Are you aware of the Jonas Bowl? You know, I wasn't until you gave me a little bit of a preview about what it was, but uh, I, why, don't you, why don't you explain it for the people? Because I'm still so not certain I totally get it. Yesterday, there was a big-time matchup on Soldier Field that many people were largely unaware of. Mm. Uh, Priyanka Chopra rented out Soldier Field for her now-husband, Nick Jonas, to play a birthday touch game with 20 of his closest friends. Buy or sell the Jonas Bowl. Who is Priyanka Chopra? She's the she's that beautiful actress. Um, what was her? Do I know break, her? She yeah, something? her breakthrough role was. Um, Keep in mind, I don't watch a lot of, the, of movies. One of the sitcoms. Um, she's an Indian American, just beautiful woman. Um, she's <laughs> got. I, I don't know how to. She's yeah, yeah. Indian oh, actress. It came up very quickly. Uh, 
Who oh, won I, Miss I World in 2000? I didn't okay. know that. She won Miss World in 2000, and uh, she is one of India's highest paid and most popular celebrities. Um, well, sure. I'll buy the breakout, Jones. I don't what was know. Her breakout I'm, I'm role? looking here. Uh, if, if anybody knows anatomy, is if anybody like knows a, it, why don't you tweet it at us? How about that? Okay, if anybody yeah, that knows Priyanka Chopra's breakout role, why don't you tweet us at Moose and Runes? And then after that, you can uh, you can rank your Ocean's movies as well because you still haven't Very done good. that. Uh, I'll buy it. Why not? You have the money. They weren't they weren't doing anything. They were in town for a concert, I believe, because uh, a couple friends of the podcast, I believe, Colleen McMahon and Allie Mason, were out watching them last night in Milwaukee. So they must have played that and then then went out there. Good for them. Beautiful. You're in town. You got the money. Go ahead and do it. Oh, well, and that also, that that's a big buy for me then because they didn't have the game at Lambeau. That's a big buy. Ooh, that's okay? a win for us. Yeah, that's a, that's a big win. They didn't, they, just, it's not that they couldn't get Lambeau. They just didn't want it. Just don't just don't tear up the surface. That's yeah, it. That's, that's all I'm asking for. We don't have a game there um, for a couple weeks, but let's keep man, it. Man, we got a mailbag, huh? We do. Check we do. Let me, let me pop it open here. It's from our good, loyal friend, uh, listener of the podcast, Parker Carroll. He had some Shout golf questions Packy. for us. Uh, the, the, this one stemmed after some of our golf reviews. And I will. I'll just read the text word for word. I don't expect anyone to pay for pay and play for a caddy, but you keep discussing local knowledge of the course when we're talking about our course breakdowns. How do you overcome you know the the local knowledge, not having the local knowledge of a golf course if you don't want to pay for the caddy? Is this you know mm-hmm. talking with somebody in the pro mm-hmm. shop? You just kind of continue and you go out there and you go out blind. What do you do to kind of prepare yourself? Get past the lack of local knowledge on a new course you're playing if you don't have that caddy to help you out man there's a great question there's a yeah it's a great question and there's a ton of stuff you could really do um i think first and foremost you walk to the first tee and you ask the starter what's the course record that's that's just that's how you set the tone yeah okay now they walk out there you you get a laugh out of them you ask them what's the course record now a little veteran tip here if you ask for a yardage booklet at the starter, he's likely to have a couple in his Ooh, desk. I did if not you know ask that. for one in the clubhouse, that's getting taxed onto your tacked onto your green fees. Anywhere six to twelve dollars, mm-hmm. likely for a yardage book. A lot of great information. If you're playing in a if you're playing a nice golf course, they're going to have a good yardage book. There's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of good information in there. Um, usually, you get like a whole description and where to leave the ball on the green, as well as all your different yardages. Um, can't stress how valuable a GPS rangefinder gun is um, in most scenarios, especially if you don't have a GPS on the cart. But as a amateur golfer who really enjoys the game and is trying to score a score, I think nothing is more valuable than an in-depth bird's eye view. And I have an app on my phone called the Grint and I'll bust out the Grint if I'm playing on a course I haven't played um, very often or I'm, I, I'm unaware of, you know, some of the pitfalls or some of the really good defenses of it. The Grint gives you a 3D overhead look, GPS look, and yardages. I don't trust the yardages because, you know, it's a GPS. Could be a few yards off here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives you a three-dimensional map view um, with all the different little subtleties of the hole. It's like a, think of Google Earth, but for the golf course. Okay. And you can really see what's out in front of you really well. So I think just having those sorts of things at your disposal, you obviously don't want to get too bogged down in that stuff, like getting a yardage, checking your GPS, looking at your yardage book. But I think those are three good options for you um, to really know what's going on out in front of you when you're unaware of what the course kind of holds for you. Yeah, that's a that's a great tip about the asking for a yardage book at the uh – the, the starter mm-hmm. desk because I had never even thought of that. Uh, whenever I put first kind of ask, but first ask what the course record is. Well, yeah, that's, you, that's you how you start out with that. So you break. Uh, it I, I didn't. I, you know, now that you bring that app up, you might have told me about this before. But that, that that's a fantastic idea because there's really nothing more frustrating when you're playing a new golf course. You're on a hole that maybe has somewhat of a blind tee shot, and you mm-hmm. hit a tee shot exactly where you want to, or you, you think you hit it where you want to, and you have oh man, there's a bunker behind that hill, or oh man, there's some you're tall stuff that I just kind of creeped bunker, into yeah. something like that. So I'm with you, and I, I think my main tip is if I'm if I'm you know shooting for a score, if I'm on the back nine and playing really well, maybe I'll start trying to get more aggressive with shots. But I would think off the tee, uh, aim just try and split the fairway. Don't try and put it a certain spot. If you got a dog, like just say I'm going for the middle of the fairway. When you're hitting your approach shots up to a green, don't say man that pin looks good, or you might not know what's behind that pin or in front of it. Mm-hmm. Just aim for the middle of the green and just try and play as safe as possible. And usually you can't be 
too off or in too bad of a spot if your thinking is I'm just going to play it as safe as possible. Yeah. But play I think you covered it a lot with the uh, the technology, the rangefinder. I cannot stress enough how important that can be if, if you don't have the local knowledge, knowing kind of how far you are from where, how far when off in, a bunker is in the distance. It's, it's very helpful. When in doubt, uh, play to the middle of the green. And I think this is kind of a a Donald Ross type um, thing that in the Midwest, when they were building the courses, even way back when there just wasn't the land and courses didn't have to be as long. A lot of architects built um, bunkering to really throw your eye off, like something that looks like a greenside bunker, but actually sits 275 yards on the right Mm -hmm. side of the fairway, like that type of stuff. So, you know, the, these courses a lot of times back home are built to trick you. You know, it's not always straightforward golf. So just yeah. having all of that information at your disposal is huge. And um, I mean, most importantly, going out there and enjoying yourself. Yeah. That's- um, also, little golf note here. I was very much in support, and I know you weren't, of the new major setup last year. I wasn't. I was leading. I thought you were very anti. I thought you no. said it felt wrong. No, no, you were no, with no. It. I loved the, oh, moving okay. the PGA early. Yeah. No, I love but, that. No, but we're now both we're in the middle of the longest off season in PGA Tour history, and it stinks. That's, that's all. That's, that's my only point. That's a fair point. But I mean, quite it's going to be like we, this every other year because there's no Ryder Cup. But I think we still um, would have been Ryder, a month. A month Ryder into Cup it now. and Olympic years will be all right. Yeah, and you know what? It, it makes the FedEx Cup feel a little bit more important, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you're not just coming off a major for the most part. Uh, I agree with you there, Matt. Um, but I think that's all we have here on the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 121. Yeah. Um, we do have a couple other mail bags that you guys sent. We're going to hold the post for a rainy day. And um, But for now, I think we're going to say goodbye. Matt, do you have anything else for the people before we bid them adieu? No. What are you, you're, are you off today? Uh, I am not. Oh, I'm uh, in studio. I'm working. And we head back tomorrow to the land of milk and honey to celebrate the nuptial of my sister. Well, I can, you know, I know we're not going to see each other most likely, but it'll be nice to be back in the same state. Likely. Like, right. likewise. Um, I'll, I'll feel your presence. <laughs> likely. <laughs> likely. That's likely, likely and likewise. I think both of those apply there. Yeah, both work. What do, you, what do you got as a prediction this week? Bears, Redskins, Monday night. Uh, Bears, Redskins. I think the Bears offense breaks out a little bit here. Bears 31, Redskins 10. I'm going to go, uh, I think I had 27-16 last week. I kind of like that. I'm going to go 27-13 Bears. Love to see it. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Bear down. I'm Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso. Bear down. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.